Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. Today, what we're going to talk about is really an excerpt from Multiplication by Subtraction, my book on how to gracefully let go of wrong fit team members. This is part of our our mini-series, number four. Last time, we talked about some different clues or symptoms of when you might need to make a quote-unquote subtraction. But today, what we're going to do is parlay that information, those insights, into some common scenarios because people are complex, behaviors come in clusters. And I want to paint a picture for you of six different scenarios of how you might experience this in your own organization and a little bit about the level of difficulty. Some of them are relatively straightforward. I'm never going to say easy. I don't think letting people go is easy or repurposing someone. That's not always something we look forward to doing. But some of them are really, really challenging. We have a little grading scale of one to five. So level one, pretty straightforward, not fun, but you can get through it without too much pain. Level five, you want to really have your ducks in a row and you want to give it some thoughtfulness and just recognize that emotionally it probably will be a little bit more challenging to take on that situation. So I want to set you up for success and help you win in this scenario. So before we jump into the six different scenarios, there are three steps that you want to take. Number one is to identify the type of issue you're dealing with and obstacles that might be standing in the way because they might be solvable. Then you want to strategize and take corrective action. So my point here is how to gracefully let go of wrong fit team members. Well, first of all, you try and make them a right fit. That's actually the graceful part. So sometimes you can check with their, depending on what profile they are, or find something that's a better fit for their personality or their Colby profile in terms of how they strive, something that's a better match for their mental horsepower. Often we can reallocate people or reallocate activities, and all of a sudden someone who is underperforming becomes a true performer. In fact, I was in a workshop the other day, and someone said exactly that. This person who was disengaged on their phone all the time he was starting to think about multiplication by subtraction and then he realigned that was his word her role and she is totally focused never on her phone working late contributing a ton traveling with him and it's a total win because he realigned her role and her activities to be a much better fit for her that is my ideal my ideal is that we really identify who people are We take the steps necessary to make those changes, and they go from being someone, again, who is underperforming to be a star. That is my favorite example. But sometimes that's not possible or can't happen for various reasons that we'll talk about. And you do need to take some action. So if nothing else works, this is when you need to let go. In a later podcast, I'll walk you through the steps of exactly what to do so that you and the other person are protected and taken care of. And that's as easy as possible. So I'm very conscious of wanting to make sure that everyone's looked after in that process. But you will need to exit them if nothing else works. So before we get to the how to take action, though, let's talk about when you might need to take action. So scenario number one is not as advertised. And this usually occurs when you've just hired someone or you're moving an existing team member into a new role and you think it's going to be a win, but it's not. So it looks good on paper in the interview, but then they get into the role and they're not as capable as they first came across. So this can be really frustrating because you've interviewed, you chose them over other candidates, even if it's an internal hire within the company, And you've taken all the right steps, but really it's just not working out. Now, why don't we take action sometimes? Well, we often assume it's because of us. We haven't trained them well enough. We haven't spent enough time with them. We haven't answered all of their questions. 
we really do assume that it's our fault that they're not performing up to standard. Well, what do you do? Well, you take initiative and have the conversation outlining the issues and do not wait on this. I can't tell you how many people who said, you know, I kind of knew in the first three months that they wouldn't work out. And I said, well, how long have they been there? And it's like, well, um, three years. I'm like, oh, dear. (laughs) If you knew early on, that really helps to take corrective action. I know people who've gotten raises and promotions when they weren't a right fit. And that's very, very confusing for the person involved. They're like, but you just gave me a raise and now you want to fire me. So when you can address that issue, be really clear that just makes a big difference. And that way, the likelihood of them being successful goes up dramatically. So if they do not make those changes that you've asked for in a reasonable time frame, which by the way, is often short, if you are going to put someone on notice, then they usually have a week or two to change their performance and change their results. And if they can't do it, then you actually can be confident that letting them go is the right thing to do. And it's definitely in your best interest. So this example is a one out of five level of difficulty. One of my clients the other day said, when I realized it was only about a 15-minute conversation I needed to have, I thought to myself, I can do that. So he'd been procrastinating for a long time over something ultimately that would take obviously more preparation time, but the actual conversation was quite short. So that helped him get over that particular hump. And one example is a woman that I interviewed, very attractively dressed, presented well, articulate, seemed like would be a great fit for our team and then came on board and seemed to lose all confidence, could not even master the most basic tasks of sharing calendars and things like that, and took her three weeks to figure out how to give me my daily calendar. And eventually we just had to let her go. I was really dreading this. I just so wanted it to work. That's the other reason why we don't take action. Anyway, within the three-month probationary period between me and other people, plus she was actually distracting for other people and talking about very non-essential things, didn't have a sense of appropriateness about what happened at work. So we did let her go. Fortunately, I had help because I was nervous before it. In the conversation, I was fine, but I just so badly wanted it to work. And it turned out to be a great decision because then we found a much better person after that who just was incredibly resourceful and talented and provided far more leverage. Now, scenario number two is the right person, but the wrong role. And this happens a lot. This is why I'm such a fan of profiles. We'll go into a later conversation about the different tools you can use to help get people into the right role. And these people have great capabilities, but they don't fit with what they're doing right now. So we've had a lot of success as strategic coach moving people around, just like the other example I gave of my client who realigned the responsibilities, move them around and all of a sudden they're a rock star. Paulette, with whom I've worked for, she's been here pretty much as long as I have, exception of a couple of weeks, we'll start off in administration and accounting and graphic design and all these things. And she wasn't bad at them, but it didn't seem to be her passion either. And then through a couple of different scenarios and working at a trade show, we realized that her talent was actually selling. And for any of you who know Paulette, she is brilliant at what she does. She's an incredibly accomplished speaker, brilliant salesperson, a coach, and is so in her element and in her unique ability, very articulate about talking about the program. And that's where we want her. But because we weren't as savvy then, but it turned out it wasn't really her. So it is so rewarding when you can realign someone. And again, that's why the tools and the profiles like Colby and StrengthsFinder and DISC and Wonderluck for Intelligence are so helpful because they help you really place someone. 
it's mysterious, and just going by behavior on any given day may not be a good predictor of future success. So those tools for me really shortcut my wisdom and my insight, and I can go from a 50% success rate in terms of placing people in the right role to about an 80%, sometimes even higher. That's the result we're looking for. So where you can, really try and align them. So level of difficulty of this one is often, I would say, about a three. It's not impossible. Sometimes it's not super easy either, especially if their expectations are such that they think that this is a right fit for them and they may not be aware of what's going wrong. So you may need to provide some corrections in there. And sometimes people's egos, ours included, can get in the way. So it's important to be sensitive to all of those things too. Now, scenario number three, the warm body who has stopped growing which we have nicknamed the zombie. We had some fun with this. So these people come on board, they jump into their role full of energy, show great initiative and talent. However, they eventually plateau and are only committed to staying in their comfort zone. I can name names for people that this has happened to. And they're really just there. After a while, they kind of feel like the furniture and you end up just walking around them because they've always been there. And we don't take action because we have seen success from them in the past. And maybe they've stopped growing. Maybe they aren't able to keep up. Maybe they're simply unwilling to change. All of those could be true. But because they were successful in the past, we kind of have faith. We hope (laughs) that they'll re-engage and kind of kick into gear and start moving ahead again. And we really strongly encourage them. And we try and maybe even incentivize them. We have all sorts of things that we do to try and make this work, but often it doesn't. And this can be really challenging because these team members have the capabilities but have become completely stagnant in their professional growth. And their unwillingness to succeed and take on new responsibilities and challenge at a basic level is expensive. It causes friction and drag. So it can be a tough decision, but if we take action graciously, people will in fact respect our decision. So in terms of what to do, you really want to evaluate the cost of keeping this person on the team. If you're growing and they're not, at some point they are holding you back. So you need to take action. Now, if they've been with your company for a while, this is not necessarily where you are walking someone to the door. You want to determine an appropriate exit package, make sure they're taken care of, give them references and support if that's helpful. But ultimately, your relationship will survive as long as they're well taken care of. And so this level of difficulty for me is a four out of a five. Now, scenario number four is high performers with really bad habits and poor teamwork skills. I think I've heard this scenario more than once with regard to a really good salesperson. And this is not from our organization, but from a couple of others I've talked to, where the person was highly skilled, brought in results. However, in no way was a team player, modeled bad habits really, really well for other people. They felt very entitled in terms of what they were doing. So well, I'm getting the results and so I can do whatever I want. Really not adapting to new ways that the company wanted to function and kind of a pain. However, there's a business cost to exiting them if they refuse to change their behavior. So this one is not quite as straightforward. I know of people who don't show up on time, they communicate poorly, they're harsh with others, they're demeaning to other people, there's a lack of accountability, but sometimes they have really strong outside of what we would call front stage relationships that bring in a lot of sales. So it looks very expensive, at least in the short term, to let them go. So this is problematic because they're aware of the value that they're creating 
And they often hold that over you. It's like, well, you need me. <laughs> and sometimes that's true. You may need the cash flow or the revenue or profit that's coming in from them. So the reason why we don't take action is it can feel very expensive to let this person go. And it will feel like your bottom line will suffer without them. So here's what to do, at least in my experience, is see whether or not they're open to coaching. And it may take some intense coaching because if they're not self-aware, that's something that's going to have to increase. And they're going to have to be willing to be open and especially to some feedback that they so far have been closed to. So if you can intensely coach them and they're willing to shift and grow and they see a bigger opportunity for themselves, fabulous. That would definitely be the route to take. But they need to acknowledge that they're doing something wrong. And at least with one person that I've coached, they were unwilling to do that. Again, paid lip service, but were absolutely refusing to fundamentally shift their mindset about how they were working with other people. Now, fortunately, in, in my case, this person chose to leave, but that was before we did something about it. So again, you want to you wanna pay attention to that. Here's the cost, though, to your company. By not dealing with the situation and by putting up with poor behavior, you need to recognize that you are sending a message to the rest of the team. You get what you tolerate is an expression, and you have to figure out what's most important. Are you willing to go through the short-term pain of Xing that person? Perhaps there's a dip in terms of revenue or results before you can find someone who not only can produce those results, but that actually will help the team grow and expand and elevate the entire level of your company. You have to ask yourself, how much do I value behavior and teamwork and showing up on time? What's your priority? If it's money, then keep them. <laughs> if it's not, though, and it's costing you in terms of the rest of the team, then that's something that you need to take a look at. In my estimation, I find these people very expensive, both short-term and long-term, and front stage and backstage. So if the person isn't willing to change, then you'll need to let them go. Even though you've tried, you have to accept that it really is just a not a workable situation. However, I completely acknowledge that this level of difficulty is a five out of five. This is one of the hardest ones to deal with. So a similar one to that is, by the way, also a five out of five in difficulty is high performers with the wrong value system. These people, to my mind, not to be too dramatic, are dangerous. And I almost always find it in a team leadership situation, especially a senior team leader. And these particular team members are ambitious, capable, and often appreciated for the value that they create for the company. As I talked about in the previous podcast, the problem here is that they're doing it for status, not contribution reasons. They're building a power base. They're polarizing others and protecting their turf. This leads to silos and as Patrick Lencioni would say, turf wars. Politics, Silos, and Turf Wars is a title of one of his books, which I highly recommend and adore. But that's what happens when you've got people like this. He would tell you that these people need to go <laughs> because ultimately they're there for their reasons and not yours. They just don't share your value system. And also in the book, I talk about a word to the wise, a line on values. But here's the challenge I've seen with my clients is this can be the hardest to recognize or accept that the person that you have invested so much in, you probably thought about some substantial bonuses with them, they've gotten status, they've got the great offices, a team, they probably take a lot of stuff off your shoulders. And all you can think about is the giant hole that will be left if they're not there. But I really want you to appreciate the fact that they're building their company, not yours. Is that, in the end, part of your bigger future? They're so deeply embedded in the organization that that's part of why we don't take action. They leverage you. 
And again, all you can think about is the complexity that happens if they were to go away, which by the way, is almost never as bad as you think. So what to do? Well, first of all, be really cautious in this situation, partly because they're really smart and you want to be savvy and be sophisticated about if you do make a decision to end the relationship that it happens legally and appropriately and you do not want to leave yourself vulnerable because this kind of person when threatened tends to retaliate. Again, I'm not trying to be too dramatic, but I've, I've just seen some painful circumstances that have happened. Ultimately, if they prioritize their goals over yours, they'll end up making decisions to benefit themselves and not your company. And you don't want to be the one that pays the price for that. So the sooner that you get them off the team, the healthier your organization will be. But as I kind of intimated earlier, letting these people go may take some finesse because reputation and appearances are so important to them. So as you are thinking about this, you think, okay, how do I protect their reputation? How do I keep up appearances? Even though that may not be your value system, it definitely is of this person. And if you don't want to have someone attacking you, you will need to massage the situation so that that's true. So a couple examples, if they're a partner, you may need to buy them out. If they're a longstanding team member, considering whether or not a generous severance package is a possibility. In the long term, it will cost you less reduce stress, and give you much more peace of mind. Again, part of why I wanted to talk about this is because I've talked to so many people after they've let this person go, and it was so much better than most people's fears had them be worried about. It's almost never as bad as you think. Occasionally, it's sometimes a little messy in the short term, but even then, the team is so relieved. They pitch in, they jump in, oxygen is flowing back into the system. They now can grow because that person will always hold back others if it's not serving the person we're letting go. So they are highly invested in making this subtraction work, and that's a lot of the times where the multiplication comes from. So again, if you're interested in a healthy organization, you want to take action on this one. But again, do it in a way that is aware and sophisticated that you're protecting reputation and appearances just to make it easier for both of you as this ends. One example that comes to mind about this, I gave my client a kind of a heads up two years in advance of when he decided to take action. And the person ended up leaving because he was not in alignment with where the company was going. And it was an expensive situation for everyone involved. But to my mind, one of the expenses was how much time it wasted. You think this is a person who's going to be with you for 5, 10, 15 years and help you grow your organization. And truthfully, they're there for two to three so they can extract the value and leave. Oh, that's really not what you were hoping for. Now, scenario number six is, I think, one of the hardest, not from a financial standpoint or a risk standpoint, but from an emotional standpoint. So these are legacy team members. These are the people that have been with you for a long time. And as I'm learning, I didn't know that 70 to 90% of businesses in North America are family-owned businesses. I had no idea the statistic was that high. Often they're family members. So that's another reason that makes it challenging. They're the ones who've been there with us from the beginning, helped us get started, and stuck with us through thick and thin. They're incredibly loyal. And most people like to reward loyalty. And we really appreciate their loyalty. And not only are we fond of them, we feel a sense of responsibility for them. Unfortunately, though, they often plateau and they stop growing and they don't fit with where the company's going and how things are changing. They can't adapt to the new changes of technology or systems or people. They often want to reflect back to the old days where they perhaps had more connection with you, where they may resent the fact that 
before where it was just a small group with, you know, everyone had direct access to the owner, to the team leader. And then as more people come in and roles tend to get much more segmented and specific, their unique ability may not be as needed or they just are unwilling to change. They get a little bit set in their ways. And again, lots of examples come to mind for me with that one. So this is challenging. And the reason why we don't take action is because we feel guilty. We don't want to let someone go who's been so dedicated because we generally like to reward that type of behavior. Often we'll know their families. We may feel a certain responsibility for their financial well-being, especially if we don't know that they can actually find a similar job for similar pay, which frankly means we're overpaying them. And also, they're good people. They don't deserve to be treated poorly. They deserve to be treated well. And we just don't know what to do. So we avoid the issue, which means you're kind of avoiding them and other your team members are bypassing them. So this is very, very challenging. I should probably make this a six out of five level of difficulty. So here's what to do. It's really vital to have an ongoing conversation with them about their lack of growth and contribution. And they're not comfortable conversations, but they need to be honest conversations and straightforward and forwarding. The whole point is to help them be more successful. They're not meant to be straight, critical conversations. They're usually aware that things aren't working, but may not know how to go about making those changes. So sometimes you can counsel or coach them into that. Sometimes they can't. So you want to talk through their options. Let them know what the opportunities are internally or externally. And then if you can help steer them gently where you want them to go, all the better. When it's clear that their future is elsewhere, give them a time frame, for example, three months, to find another opportunity and feel free to help them. You do not need to be cold. You don't need to emotionally distance yourself. You can be very, very supportive because you do want them to be successful and to win. It's just not in your company anymore. So feel free to reach out to your network, provide great reference letters, give them time for interviews. However, once the agreed upon time limit has been reached, follow through and say goodbye. And the example that I give in the book, it's actually been known for quite a while that this person wasn't a right fit any longer. But again, that sense of responsibility. And what happened was gave this person time to go and find a new role and they still hadn't done it. So at the end, had to actually execute on the time frame because this person had stopped taking any initiative to make a change. It was just about maintaining the status quo. So they had to actually commit and take the action because the other person wasn't going to. So the reason for me outlining these scenarios is because I want you to appreciate that there are emotional factors, there are psychological factors, there are financial factors that influence our ability to take action on these things. But I hope that through hearing about them and thinking them through, you start to realize, oh, okay, I've experienced that one. Oh, that's kind of what I'm facing right now. If none of them resonate, great. <laughs> that means you don't have any issues, but certainly talk with other people in your organization to see if they're experiencing any of that. So in terms of taking action, I just want to set you up for one of our next conversations is, again, I've kind of figured out that through all the different scenarios and situations that happen, that they fall into three common areas. So number one is where someone's abilities are no longer a right fit for the company, and you're going to work with them because you like them to help them find a new opportunity for which they're better suited. So again, this is where you provide the reference letters, introductions, time to go on interviews. And it can happen over a period of months and is very collaborative. So it's not abrupt. Again, this is the graceful exit. Number two is you make the decision that someone needs to leave, but they've been with you a long time and you respect and appreciate their contribution. So this is kind of the saving face option. So in this situation, they agree to resign. You have the conversation, it's not working. 
So it's going to end. And sometimes you say, unless you resign, it will be the other alternative in terms of us letting you go. But they actually have the opportunity to send out the communication to the team, state that it was their idea. You know, I know people who have, for various reasons, needed to leave the organization. It wasn't necessarily their decision, but they were still committed. They felt responsible, and they helped wrap up their projects and pass it on to the next person, which was actually a very gracious way to end something. Now, the last scenario is probably what everyone was thinking about from the beginning, and this is where you've made the decision that a team member needs to leave immediately, probably because it's a risk to allow them to continue to access your confidential information. One of the things that we're so clear on is that everyone's got security, your database is protected, your financials are protected, but once someone's through the locked door, we trust them. So if someone has access to that information and they could do it from outside your building, then you change all the codes and you have to do all that kind of thing. And if you think someone won't respond well, you need to protect your company, in which case it needs to happen really quickly. So this situation is challenging. And in one of our upcoming podcasts, I'll go through the step-by-step way that really works to take action to take care of both you, your company, and the team member that you're subtracting. So I hope these scenarios have been useful and insightful for you. We'd love to hear any questions or comments that you have at questions at strategiccoach.com. Thank you very much for listening. And always, here's to your team success. Hi, Shannon here, and thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate the Team Success Podcast on iTunes. And we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone else who could benefit. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Coach program for entrepreneurs, visit us at strategiccoach.com or the Strategic Coach channel on YouTube. For free downloads and more team success strategies, visit teamsuccesshandbook.com. Mm-hmm.